Um, do you remember that heist movie that never was a heist, uh, Now You See Me? Where it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. magicians doing heist. I never, never I mean, I never actually heist. saw it, to be honest with you, so I, I don't know what it's about. I never saw it. It's, like, really boring and dumb, and they somehow made a sequel, but... Made money. The, um, this article is like, but what if you made the four horsemen the actual, like, main characters? Because they're not. The main characters are Mark Ruffalo chasing them, and just being like, ah, you, you dastardly magicians... Wait, in the movie, the, the like, Eisenberg and all them aren't the main characters? Mm-hmm. It's oh, weird, right? Because oh, the advertising is basically all focused them. on them. All them. You barely spend any time with them. You just see them do... You don't even see them do magic. Magic doesn't even happen a lot in the movie. I mean, I can't really speak about that movie because, again, as we said, I have not seen it. I don't know too much about it. But I think we can all agree that the travesty was that they didn't call the sequel Now You Don't. Yeah! They're really stupid. Which is just right there. It's like they're teeing you up for it. And yeah. then someone, like, takes a bat and goes like, <laughs> Now You See Me Too! Do you think people are terrified of, like, sequels that don't use the full... The, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's if they called that, like, like, Now You Don't, yeah. they'd be like, well, what, what is it a sequel to? Right. What am I seeing Now here? You Don't What? Yes. <laughs> episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends uh, sit down with a troubled movie, have a little themed drink, and then uh, talk about what was shit about it. <laughs> Basically. Uh, we're back at you with another mini episode. I'm your host for this week, Lee Delahanty. I'm Chris Ravel. Brendan Drischler. It is me. It is you. Uh, in two weeks, uh, we'll be doing our next movie, which is going to be Serendipity, uh, 2001 romantic comedy with uh, John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale, I got Molly Shannon and Jeremy Piven in the back roles. Directed by Peter Chelsea, I could not tell you a thing about him. I couldn't either. I'll have to look into that. Um, it's a lovely rom-com <laughs> of a bygone era. <laughs> and of another time. I am looking forward to talking about it. I'm looking forward to seeing it, because I don't know what it's about. Yeah, I think I'm I looked it up on Wikipedia, this. and it turns out I was confusing the plot of it with Must Love Dogs. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen a Must Love Dog. I've never seen either, but I, I knew I've that Diane Lane was a Must Love Dog. So for yeah. the longest time, I was like, oh, Diane Lane, she's in Serendipity, right? And I looked at like, Kate Beckinsale. So they made, uh, I hope they have this ready in time for two weeks when we're doing the actual episode, but they, they also did a Bollywood remake of Serendipity that I have downloaded. Oh, cool. Um, that was like a very cursed remake because they... Everyone died. <laughs> not quite. They <laughs> no. put... They put in, as the two leads, these two um, actors who were, like, famously dating and in love at the time. Mm -hmm. And then it was still the era where they would sort of dub over the dialogue after the movie was done. So, like, they filmed it, and then the couple had a horrendous breakup. And before they dubbed it, so they they would they did not dub the movie together, as would (laughs) normally be custom. They had to come in and dub their lines at separate times. Um, And then the movie took five years after that to even get released. Wow! (laughs) So it was just sitting on a shelf for five years. So it's a mess. Yeah, so it came out like five years late after the couple. (laughs) So this like tribute to this couple that is not together anymore. Several years past the shelf date. Yeah, so I can't wait to see it. Wow! I don't think it's that good, but I'm curious to see. I've seen a couple of Bollywood remakes of like American rom-coms. I've seen the Bollywood um, uh, Night and Day. Oh, yes. You showed me the trailer from that. Yeah, and like... I'm curious to see if this is how how many things from Serendipity the, the Bollywood version retains. I think that'll be an interesting talking point. I'm also just generally so fascinated whenever I can get context about a movie like that. Like if I know about the utter disaster or weirdness mm. like that, that uh, it makes the movie so much more tempting to me because now I want to look for that yeah. film. Um, 
All that said, we will need a drink to get through serendipity. <laughs> what are we going to be drinking? The drink we will make will be called a purple tie. It's going to be one ounce of vodka, one ounce of gin, three quarters ounce of blue curacao, three quarters ounce of lime juice, three quarters ounce of lemon juice, two ounces of sodi water, <laughs> an ounce and a half of grenadine, and some luster dust. What we will do is we will mix the vodka, gin, blue curacao, lime juice, and lemon juice in a shake with ice. Strain it into a glass with ice and add grenadine, soda water, and luster dust. And then you stir it gently until it's mixed. It's going to be nice and purple like the tie and suit that John Cusack must buy in this movie. And it's going to be uh, nice and shimmery like the overpriced opulence of Serendipity 3 where they apparently <laughs> eat at, at one point in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm very excited to find out. I mean, I feel like I've heard about this movie but never really knew what it was about, so I'm excited yeah. to watch it. I also just think, like, I'm intrigued by this drink. When I was hearing about it, I was like, it has two things I don't normally go for, that being grenadine and blue curacao. But I am, I'm willing to go this path with them because I'm assuming we just need those to make purple. It's basically, yeah, it's basically like a color thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna, I'm not, I don't, not anticipating the drink's gonna be like the best. I, I, if it's done right, I don't think it'll taste I think it'll terrible. be okay. Yeah. I don't think it'll be too, we saw a couple of recipes online where they're using, like, Sprite yeah. instead of... Lime juice, I think it's going to be like a suburban mom type of drink. Yeah, so I think it'll be a little less sugary than it could have been. Like, um, yeah. if you were to go to the Superlux, this is probably a cocktail mm-hmm. they have at that overpriced bar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> No more. Soon to be no, or at least that one. Is yeah, at least one. that one is uh, yeah. on the way to the Dodo. What the fuck are they going to even put in there? Like, aside from the movie theater, what can you even do with this? I don't know. Maybe, like, King's is like, some finally! Sort of, some sort of elaborate, like... <laughs> Millennial pastime. Yeah, like an escape yeah. room or like axe yeah. throwing or... Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Those are both actually legitimate like possibilities here because those are both things that have exploded yeah, in so places. so many escape of, rooms yeah. though. Like has the escape room bubble not burst? <laughs> Probably. I don't we know. Need, we need more like um, Boda Borg style things. Yeah. It's like fucking Legends of a Hidden Temple. Oh, if we had, I wish we had a Boda Borg somewhere downtown. We'd have to go to like fucking... Where is it again? Some northern town. Yeah, I can't remember where it is, but it's somewhere that's not really convenient. That would be a good post-COVID group hang. I want to do that, actually, because I've been been there in, like, four years. Mm -hmm. So I'd kind of like to go again and see what's up. When I was working at... When I was student teaching at the high school, they had a field day at Bodeborg, and I was like, fuck, yeah, that's, like, an awesome place to take kids. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Activities. Some people get to do activities again. Yeah. It's okay, (laughs) Check back in two weeks for that full episode. Yep. Uh, for this week, uh, I had an idea of something I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. based off of um, a couple shows that I was watching. And it is... Um, now, my prompt specifically, but it can be, we can expand it. We need to talk about this in general. But, like, I... There have been a couple times where I have found um, side characters or side story arcs to be more compelling than the main arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have often wished that they were the main focus of the show. Um However, I think in general, we, jump, we there's definitely cases where um, side characters are just better or more interesting or, or um, I, either you just like them more or they're more compelling uh, and you want to see more of them than the main characters. Uh, and I think it's just worth talking about cases where that is, the, times where that is the case and like, could 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 they support their own wait. project <laughs> or, yeah, or wait in a story or are they best left where they are? Um so I don't know who wants to... It's, I don't really have a fucking structure for this, but... Yeah. I, I mean, can I can kind of talk about where it came from, maybe, and I can give my one of my examples. Yeah, if you want to. Um, so yeah, I was watching... The main one this came from is... So you're going to list a lot of things that I've never heard of. Just, yeah, a couple things. Okay. They're pretty <laughs> They're pretty straightforward to just, like, synopsis pretty easily. Yeah. But there's the K-drama that I... That was, like, such... It was, like, a very, like, hot mess. It's, like, a sort of, like, exa- like a Y-watch... A perfect why watch drama because Ooh. it was like a lot of things I loved in it 
but it was just not good. Mm. The end product is just so it's um, tragically flawed. But it was called the King Eternal Monarch. It was so much money was thrown into this, and it was basically this like high concept, like parallel universe sci fi thing where um, there are two Koreas, and in one Korea, I don't follow. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so they in one parallel universe. <laughs> I guess really there's two Earths because there are like other nations in this parallel universe as well. Um, but in one, like Korea, the, basically the universe is split at some ancient point in Korean history. And in one of them, the Korean War never happens. None of that ever happened. Korea stayed a monarchy, and it is a unified kingdom of Korea that has a king who, like, unlike a lot of these sort of modern monarchy storylines, like, he still holds, like, executive power. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's closer to the Queen of England. I'm not really sure how the Queen of England works, but he, like, there's a prime minister, but, like, the king is still, like, basically in charge of, like, the final say. Um, like, the prime minister basically brings all of their decisions to the king, and the king has, like, a veto power, I think. Um, which is, like, it's, it's like a legit monarchy. Uh, and in the other, it's, like, our world where there's the South Korea that we know today. And... Uh, it's basically this arc, the story is basically that, like, the king, like, had his life saved when he was young by this woman who seemingly doesn't exist, and he has her, like, ID card, and it's this, like, police badge from some woman, and it turns out that, like, the badge is from the alternate South Korea, and so, like, he stumbles on, like, this gateway that leads him to, like, he has basically this, like, artifact that's, like, half of a magical flute that got split when he was a kid. And the flute is this, basically, like, this thing that opens a gateway to the other Korea. Um, And so he finds out through all of this that, like, the person that killed his dad, which was his half-brother, had, like, fled to alternate Korea and has been, like, breeding a rebellion there that he's going to come back through the portal and, like, supplant the king at the end of the day. So because everyone has, like, a double in South Korea, like, they're, like, basically, like, if you have a person of yourself in the kingdom, you have somehow an identical person in South Korea, even though if the timeline split ages ago, wouldn't they all be different? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this is like some us shit here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the case. You, like, everyone has, like, a double. So the half-brother of the king, like, went back, like went there and, like, immediately killed the alternate king so that he never grew up there. And they're all... So basically, there's... A, that's the main arc is, like, him and this detective woman whose badge she owns from South Korea, like, teaming up to investigate, like... What is going on? What What is this brother plotting? And, like, how to stop it from happening. Um, meanwhile, there are, like, two side characters played by the same actor who in the kingdom is, like, the king's main bodyguard, who's, like, the... He's called, like, the Unbreakable Sword. Oh, yeah. And the, the that version of him, uh, Jo Young, is basically this, like, stoic, like, like you know, crazy, badass, um, super serious dude who's, like, really, like, you know, really intense and, and uh, just a big badass, basically. Uh, and just, like, no nonsense. And in the South Korea, his his p- personality there is Unsop, and Unsop is basically this, like, fucking dodo, like, this, like, just buffoon who has, he's, like, from Busan, and, like, I think they're both technically from Busan, but, like, the cultural differences of the different worlds, like, the one from uh, South Korea has this, like, insane dialect, and he kind of... It's basically... If you imagine two characters being played by the same actor, and one of them's doing, like, sort of, like, a surfer accent, <laughs> and the other one's doing, like, transatlantic from, like, the 1930s. And very serious. Yeah, like, yeah, like a sort of, like, 1930s radio announcer versus, like, a, a surfer dude, or, like, the two characters that this actor has to play. And, like, there's a bit where, like, they... He, when the king first goes, and he sees, like, his... Body, his bodyguard's double. He's like, oh my god, it's my bodyguard. He's like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, okay, no, it's not. 
Um, and he, like, makes friends with the other version. And there's a bit in the middle where, like, the two meet, uh, where it's like, he brings his bodyguard over to South Korea, and he's like, no, no, you absolutely cannot meet anyone else because you have a body double here. And, and th- immediately his body double walks in and is like, oh my god, who the fuck is that? And, like, passes out. And so, like, their arc becomes, like, my favorite part of the show because... They they have to, they're the only two like doubles that get to like meet and like get to know each other. They bounce off each other. A yeah, bit. and so they kind of talk about like they have I guess again because they have the same parents because somehow the parents are the same. But like the South Korea version has twin siblings who are like five basically because his parents still love each other and had kids like twenty years later. Whereas in the Kingdom One, his parents are like divorced and unhappy. Um, and yeah, they have like this really cute arc where like they have to at one point they switch places and. He has to go, like, the sort of buffoon has to go pretend to be this badass bodyguard, and the bodyguard has to pretend to be this idiot. And the actor is doing amazing work in terms of playing, like, the, like, because the buffoon is terrible at acting, and the bodyguard is really good at doing, like, the sort of Busan dialect asshole character. And so, like, they, it's, the actor does this amazing range of, like, playing, like, this character and that character, and then playing that character pretending to be this character, and that kind of, this character pretending to be that character. I don't know, it's just, there's a really good arc there, and they, they have a really sweet moment in the end where, like, they have to go back to their own worlds, and it's, like, it really pissed me off that, like, they, they end it with a sort of, like, everyone forgot that all of this world-crossing ever happened kind of thing. Boo. <laughs> um, because, like, they, they, they have this, like, cute, like, when they come to see each other as, like, brothers because they're, they kind of are brothers. Right. Um, and they, like, they want to see each other when all this bullshit is said and done. Um, and I don't know, I ended, I, I feel like that could be, like, a... The thing is, the main story was kind of stupid. Like, you don't really you don't really care about the king and the detective. They kind of have, like, a boring arc. Um, whereas, like, I really liked these two characters, and I liked the idea of, like, finding your body double and then, like, forming a, a relationship with him that's almost like a brother, really, or a sibling relationship. Uh, and I thought that was, like, a more interesting story to explore yeah. or get more into. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe it wouldn't work as its own thing or if it was the main focus, but I just liked it more. I, I, I do always find it exciting um, in plots where you get to see actors who are playing the character inside the body of someone else. Yeah. I always find those really enjoyable. I mean, it, I guess it can go both ways, right? When done poorly, you can really see how well it doesn't work. But I always find it very exciting when it does work and extremely enjoyable and fun to kind of see that sort of self-referential humor. And it also just sounds like that stuff. Sub- or that side plot is the only one to really take advantage of. There's two of you. Yeah. Like there, and the fun that comes with being able to have them meet and bounce off one another, like that's just naturally compelling. And yeah. kiss. And kiss if you want to <laughs> take it that way. In most of the like, there are a couple other like the detective meets her body yes. double, but it's it's mostly like an adversarial like she wants to kill and supplant the detective because she's terminally ill or some bullshit mm-hmm. and needs like a liver transplant or something but yeah i mean that's basically like that's what gave me the idea uh for this mini uh was that show and mm-hmm. that the, that those two to four characters being played by the same person <laughs> that um pretty much like was the only thing i would really look forward to by the end of the show because like i think everything else was just so like eh. expectable that wasn't expectable i mean they're the only other thing that i liked about the show was like the weird high concept like uh modern monarchy shit which i kind of eat up but um, like the other, they were the only characters that I found really that like I don't know fun to watch or compelling. Um, that's my that's that's my first example of side characters that I, at least in this case, thought would maybe have been a better linchpin. Um, I can go next. Sure, why don't you? Um, I I had to both I I settled on a movie and a TV show, so I'll I'll try to make them both 
quick, so we don't go on forever. But um, uh, I had been recently thinking about uh, rewatching the show Mad Men, and it got me thinking about how uh, one of the supporting characters who gets like a fair amount of attention, but I actually thought would have been even more interesting to give further focus to. Um, is it Peggy? No, Joan okay. Holloway. Huh. Um, I, Peggy is essentially a Deuter antagonist by the end of the series, so like that, I'm not so worried about. Uh, but no, like I, I was having a discussion with someone recently where we both we both kind of came to a similar conclusion where it was like it was a good show, and it's not like Don, Don the main character's story is like bad or dumb. It's just not as compelling as a lot of the, for me, as a lot of the other side characters and I really like Joan I really liked uh, the fact that I mean she does sort of play into a ridiculous woman in a ridiculous dress but it's also like it explores a sort of like subversion of it in a way where you essentially see how it's a persona that this person has constructed to sail through 1960s America with the least amount of like pain and damage to herself this character Christina Hendricks. Okay. I don't know anything about Mad Men. Can you give me a close yeah. notes of who oh, sure. Joan is? Why Sorry, you're so mad. Apologies. Yeah. Mad Men uh, is just about a... Well, I know what Mad Men is about. Sure. I know it's about Admin. I don't know who Joan is. Well, I so, call it Admin. <laughs> I just think that makes a lot more sense. So oh my at, God. at Sterling Cooper, uh-huh. the, 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 the firm that every pretty much everyone in the show works at, uh, Joan is the kind of the head secretary... And um, she is, for the first season, mostly, um, a sexual object for the men to ogle. She mm-hmm. is wearing a lot of very form-fitting um, uh, hourglass-shaped dresses. She has a very kind of, like, cold ice queen persona. Um, she's, like, very cruel to the women under her, but she's extremely kind to the men above her. And so for the first season, you just think like, who the fuck is this asshole who is just clearly eating out on being able to be the like hot stuff in the office. Is she like actively flirting or being promiscuous with the men to get ahead or is no. Okay. But she is viewed as a sex object. By she the is guys. viewed as a sex object. Okay. There's so an entire response to that. Yeah. Is her response to that to, to be an, uh, an ice queen or like how does she deflect the men being assholes does she just giggle when they smack her bottom um she basically just kind of finds ways to either like side eye it or not react to it for the most part or she'll just kind of um she has this weird way of being polite and looking as if she's taking it in stride but then they have ways of showing you how devastating that treatment was for her mm-hmm. um they play it actually they thread a really interesting needle where they they have her reach a certain level of like power within the firm that ostensibly would put her on equal footing with some of the men. And you see the way this character is developed that she believes she has earned that. Mm-hmm. And where you see that character start to change in a much more dramatic and visible way is when she realizes all of this work was to still have her be the one who sent out of the office to like go get the drinks or yeah. whatever. And um, there's, in fact, one episode where they hang her out to dry in a major way, where for most of that season, she is feeling powerful. She's feeling settled. She is a partner at the firm. Um, she's not, like, totally happy with it, but she's feeling pretty good. And then there is literally the man from Jaguar, the automobile company, basically says, I won't do business with you unless you let me fuck her. And it's a huge betrayal that the men of the show 
send her to go be fucked by the Jaguar men so they can get the business. Yeah. And there's also, like, a lot happens to this character, and it's interesting to me that I felt, even in a show that had a very pronounced and clear effort to give stories to identities that were maybe not so much on the surface during that time period, and to also critique how the 60s aesthetic is very celebrated, but we just conveniently ignore all of the, like, social bullshit that came along with it, that it's so weird that that show centers itself on a white man whose story is just simply not as compelling or dramatic as the others because the stakes just aren't as high. And I just found Joan's journey through this kind of persona and identity that she's erected to stay okay about herself is we don't really get to pull that apart very much. And she even has this like fascinating relationship with like a closeted gay man in the office, but you only get to see like hints of that. Yeah. I just kept seeing signs of a so much more of an interesting story with her that I would have loved to have seen more time with it. So like, she does end up with one of the dudes, by the way, at work. Okay. Um, That's a relief. Who is technically her boss. Thank God she got married. Yeah. I was worried. Oh, Um, she didn't get married to him. She cheated with him. And then she gets married to a, like, washout military doctor who hits her. Oh, okay. Well, I can see why you enjoy this so much. It's a soap, pretty much. Um, so clearly, like, I guess my question is, like, she... There is enough screen time on her, and it's a show, and shows generally are a bit more, like, ensemble than... A movie. A movie, or a... Yeah, but, like, so are you saying that, like, over this course of the show, that just there's just, like, not enough focus on her? Like, because I don't really know the... Back the like environment of Mad Men, like is she not considered like a main player, or is like she like a secondary or tertiary? She's considered a secondary player. Okay. Um, most people's stories in Mad Men, if they're not Don, are coming through Don. It's okay. very very rare that you're getting a scene with just that character, not with the main character. Yeah. Um, Why is it about Don? What is so special about Don in Mad Men? He's a big penis. I mean, it's John Hamm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Anaconda is. Totally <laughs> with him. Um, but he's is it? There is that's a, that's there's a, like the whole thing with his identity too, right? Where it's like he's not like Don he's Draper is like a persona he's made for himself. That's why yeah. Basically, Don is supposed to be. He's more of a thematic character than a human character. He's supposed to be a thematic parallel to the show's overarching message of the life is never the same as the image. Well, isn't there like the? Isn't there like a big episode one ending reveal of? Like oh, you pull the we pull the wool over your eyes in season one episode one. Isn't there like a big like he's oh. really married or he's got a mistress or something? Sort of. Um, basically, you just see a day in his life that starts at work, and then after he leaves work, he goes and um, uh, fucks Rosemary Dewitt in her apartment. Yeah. And then you're right. There the the like holy shit moment is at the very end of the episode. He goes back to the suburbs to see his wife and children. Okay. So the the holy shit part is you just thought he was a single guy living life in the city. Yeah, yeah. But is there more than that? Is he also like? Is there another layer of his identity that he keeps hidden? Yes. He's a completely different person. Okay. Like, like his name isn't Don Draper. No. Like he actually like his name is not Don Draper. Okay. Okay. I guess you know. I guess that's some. <laughs> well, and so, like three sections of the show are devoted to exploring that and yeah. why and, and why how he became the, the man he is today. Blah blah blah. Um, but I and it's not bad. It's not yeah. terrible. It is interesting. I just I guess to me I'm just sort of like okay. I feel like I've seen this plot line with this character before. Yeah. Could you have just could you have um, imagined a Joan spinoff? Like, could she have held her own? I think so. 
Joe Harone. Why wasn't that Joan Cusack show? Oh, God. Why doesn't Joan Cusack have a show? She did, didn't she? Did she do it? It was like, yeah. Did it not stick? No, it didn't stick. That's a shame. It was literally, I thought Can it was called like... make it stick? I thought it was called like the Joan Cusack show I was going to say, it's probably just called Joan or Joan Cusack or the Joan Cusack show. That's yeah. what we call them. The Joan Hour. Joanie. All right. Well, anyway, carry on. We'll carry on. Like, Do you still want Joan crisis. on her own work? Would it be I, think Joan, I, I think Joan on her own would work. Would AMC want to pump millions of dollars into it? I mean, probably not. Bands. AMC makes dumb decisions all the time, but... Because um, where they leave that character at the end is that she is essentially on her own... Um, but you do get the sense that she's willing to try making it, whereas yeah. her like way of thinking about it before was that she absolutely needed a man. Um, and she's just like a really watchable character. Their performance was really always amazing. Uh, Christina Hendricks is not always good in things, but she's very good in this. Um, for the movie I picked, this is going to be a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, did either of you guys see Kong Island? I feel like I asked yeah, Skull Island, Island rather. I have not yes, seen any King Kong media known to man. At all. Um... I would love to have seen John C. Riley's whole thing have more of a presence in that movie because I loved the story that he tells about how he, like, crashes down on this island with a, like, Japanese fighter pilot from the other side of the war, and then they essentially, while trying to survive on this island while King Kong is barreling around... Uh, just Kong. It's clean. Sorry, Kong. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, I would have loved to have, I think, a, a story about that incident and this kind of ostensibly long period of time that he's been spending with this other person who he has been politically instructed to kill mm-hmm. in this war. I don't know. I mean, it's nothing groundbreaking, but I do Wait, think... Wait, this is Kong? Yeah. This is Kong. Why is there a political assassination? It's, no, no, no. Not assassination. John C. Riley was a fighter pilot who crashed down into the there's island. an American guy oh, and a Japanese guy. Oh, he's supposed to kill... He, he befriended a guy in a war. They were like enemies, Okay, basically. They were enemies. Okay, they okay. crashed down on Skull like, Island. Why is, why is Kong getting into geopolitical... <laughs> <laughs> Weird, like, Kong trying to say, Kong wearing like a trench coat to ass on the side of the Empire State building with a gun. I didn't mean Kong the creature. Take out like, the artist. president! Kong, take out the president! <laughs> Slipping... You, can you imagine being his handler where you have to give him the biggest manila envelope? Just like, here you go! <laughs> The grassy knoll. There's a picture of the grassy knoll, and you see just like Kong standing there. I can't be positive, but I think it's a giant ape. And then you just hear this gigantic bam because the Kong-sized gun went off. But yeah, no, it's like he basically, you know, it's him and this Japanese fighter pilot, and over how I don't know how many years. I think it's the seventies. By the time yeah, the movie, the movie really gets the started, they've just been living on this island together basically. for like thirty years at least. Are they like best buddies? Yes, but yeah. then um, do they speak each other's language at this point? Well, the the issue becomes the Japanese fighter pilot dies pretty quickly within the movie because, oh. um, and John C. Riley spends the rest of the movie feeling very distraught about it because they had basically become this unit together mm-hmm. and they had like survived. Kong together, yeah. and I'm like, th- I would love to see how these two enemies come together in this absurd situation. That sounds like an amazing. If movie. you take Kong out of it, though, that's like a that's like a million prestige dramas right now. Oh, like, yes. like an American fighter pilot crash land, and, and many of them that becomes just a gay a gay romance, isn't it? Oh, oh my god, I didn't even think. Of- well, but now it's a gay romance with a giant monkey. So yeah, that's a gay romance I'd want to see. <laughs> Would you, I mean, prestige drama, two guys trapped on island, whatever. You have some skull crushers and a big monkey in there. I'm like, yeah. Perfect. I'm curious, though. Now I'm sold. Do you not ever see them interact with each other before? You do. They, he Briefly. Gets do Briefly. they? Does they? How do they? How have they communicated? I don't know that they touch on it. I don't remember. I've seen the movie like twice, so I could not tell you off the top of my head. That's, that- it's weird to me. Maybe this is a lot about me, but my, that's immediately my first thought is like, they've been together for years. 
Neither of them are probably have any idea how to speak the other language. How do you like? I would believe that they. I'm fascinated by the mechanics of that. And I mean, like again, I would love to watch that happen in a movie. If I know his, I mean, like Pocahontas started speaking English like when the wind blew around her pretty quickly. (laughs) So like, I feel like those two guys could probably work it out. Man. All she had to do was what? Listen um, with her heart. That's listen all. Her heart. That's, that's, what it was. that's all you had to do, guys. Yeah. We'll understand. You're struggling in your foreign language class. Or listen, really the, listen, listen with your heart. The spirit tree will help you. That's out. That's right. Grandmother, grandmother tree. Grandmother Willow. Tree. Grandmother tree. Grandmother tree. <laughs> that's, the, that's like the direct-to-video doc. I haven't seen grandmother tree. that movie in 20 years, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I. I mean, not that, like, the story of Kong Skyland, it's, like, an okay plot, um, but I would think the kind of, one of the issues is, frankly, they have so many actors you recognize playing so many different named characters with plot lines Mm -hmm. that it gets a little packed. Yeah. And then the main villain, it's, like, unclear even by the end of the movie, like, why he really wants to do any of this. So, like, I think that's why I maybe gravitated towards the plot line that already had evident built-in, like, drama and stakes and yeah. a human connection. Whereas, like, I am I mean, like, Samuel Jackson has, like, gave us a few reasons. I'm just still not, like, totally sure. Like, why are we doing this? No, I mean, that's a probably... I mean, I don't... I've never seen Kong Sky Island, but I am... I feel like I'm more into the story of, like, two randos crashing on an island and having to cope with, like, Kong. coexisting and also escaping a giant monkey that wants to kill them both. Then I am about, like, whatever this movie seems to be about, <laughs> based on... Yeah, well, it's like... I don't know, I guess... What, what would you see the plot is? Just that Samuel L. Jackson wants to kill Kong. I can't really remember why. Is it, but is then it, there's, like, there's several layers of deception put on top of that. Well, is this in like, a vacuum of, like... Is this... Is Kong Island, like, the first in a new rebooted Kong This is world? part of, like, the Godzilla movies. And that's why, that's why Godzilla that was Kong. The Godzilla one with the fucking yes. Matthew Broderick? No, 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 no. The other Brian one. Cranston. The Godzilla with Brian Cranston that we saw in theaters. So does Kong Island take place after Godzilla? It takes before. place sequentially before, but the movie came out after Godzilla. Okay. So like they already knew about a giant ape in, in, in yeah. Godzilla. And they kept it. They kept it hush hush. Yeah, hush hush. <laughs> is, is there, are there more monkeys? <laughs> the end, that's right at the end of Godzilla. So what's it? Should we tell him about the monkey and Ken? What? He's like, shh. <laughs> well, there was a second Godzilla where they introduced a whole slew of them. They well, yeah. yeah. Destroy Fenway Park. Did anyone see that? Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw it. I did. Was it worth it? It's okay. It has like the same issues. So it's so, it's like the problem with the first movie is that we spent so much fucking time with these people who no one care about, right? And so, yeah. like, who has nothing going on? Godzilla we spend so much time with these characters and it's like alright we keep coming back to Aaron Taylor Johnson we keep coming back to Elizabeth Olsen who are both like fine actors but like they have nothing to work with here so then in the second movie it's like well what if instead of spending like two hours with Aaron Taylor Johnson you spend two hours with like 80 different characters spread out over it so it just becomes yeah. like the opposite problem where instead of like trying to get to know two characters you're trying to get to know a bunch of other people it, and it's just like there's too many people here there were too few people before it's, sort of, it's, both of them it's so weird that they kill Brian Cranston like <laughs> immediately Angelia Binoche his wife in that movie. Well, yeah. she died. Whatever, I'm fine with her dying because she dies in the first like five minutes. Right, and so you think that's like and that's a good that's a driving right. force. You think that's like going to be the thing that like matters most of the movie? That's yeah. like no, actually not Brian Cranston said too. Yeah, he, he, like after being featured so much in the trailers yeah. too, it's, it was nuts. When he died in the movie, I was like, what? Yeah, the, I was this, like he's coming back. Right? The second Godzilla reminded me of the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie only insofar as the cast of thousands thing that Roland Emmerich seems to love doing in all of his movies, where there's just so many named characters and we're just jumping 
and all around to them. And the mayor of Boston was a Roger Ebert analog in this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really weird dig, but... Um, but yeah, it's... 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 So what... Uh, it, they're not, like... They're not movies that you would... Like, the plot is crazy. I mean, I don't... I've, I've never really understood the draw of, like, big monster movies, I'm not gonna lie. I did when I was a kid. They don't really do anything for me now. I don't know. I mean, I, I've never understood, like... Are you, and I don't know... I don't understand with, like, the current ones. Like, when you watch Godzilla and Godzilla 2 or whatever that one's called. Like, do you... Do you well, who do you care about? Do you care about the people or do you care about the big monster? Because you're seeing it for the monster, but do you root the for the monster? The movie wants you to care about the people, but it, they never quite managed to pull it off. But they also want you to care about the monsters. Because right. The Japanese ones, don't... Aren't they, like, later ones? Don't you, like, root for Godzilla or something? Yeah. So in the first one, Godzilla is the villain, and then it becomes a thing where, like, Godzilla's our friend, actually. He helps us out when other big monsters attack. Yeah. Because the first one's actually, like, you know kind of a meditation on the atomic bomb yeah. through a Japanese monster movie. And then they become, like, less serious as the series goes on, and more just about, you know, two Big guys in rubber fighting. suits fighting each other. Yeah. yeah. So is that what the Godzilla movies of today are about? They're a, big I, monsters fighting? A, a little bit. I think they still have some, like, they still, like, are saying things, you know? Yeah, well, because Godzilla in the first movie is sort of the hero, right? Well, you they mean, are... Like, the 2014? Yes, they are much faster one. to be, like, he's a right. guardian... Right, well, he's an apex predator. Right, they exactly. Yeah, they're very that, clear about like right because that and that's why you have those other mutants in there. Yeah. So it's not just like oh no, Godzilla's attacking America. It's like oh, these two other monsters are attacking America. Yeah. Godzilla has to help us. And they so they but they don't they sort of like un or like oh muto. How do they do it in the end? They they have to like do they actually actively try to lure Godzilla or does Godzilla is Godzilla just like on a hunt and they're just like. I guess we're good to follow him because he's, been we're so not his target. I don't know. It's been There's so a bit where they're like sailing alongside Godzilla, I and I think that. It's yes. that Godzilla is just—he's just unconcerned with right. humans in the military. Yeah. He's just like I'm after big bugs. Right, right, I know right. we're on a massive tangent, but can we just talk about that one part of the yes, first 2014 Godzilla the, movie with the doors? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> where, like the entire hat back half the facility is gone. <laughs> they're like, what? Oh Jeez, yeah. Minutes? Where they would have had to have bust out half of a mountain and yet this everyone is, is like had no idea it happened. Are they no alarm? <laughs> someone had their, like, yeah, someone had their headphones on earlier on they like take them off like oh. Okay but that wasn't the only time that happened in the movie because you also remember in the Vegas sequence there's yeah, a they, shot that cuts to firemen breaking into a hotel suite they run through and there's like no door and then there's yeah. no room really yeah. it's just open <laughs> Oh my god, anyway, that's such a silly... That was my favorite part of the movie, that, like, it was a big reveal that... <laughs> Somehow the fucking, Yeah, a thermonuclear explosion had gone off, and <laughs> no half the wall was gone, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Alright, anyway. Anyway, sorry, that's, that's Chris's... Alright, here's the thing. So, when I was talking about this with Chris earlier, I didn't really do TV shows, because I was telling Chris, if I was watching a TV show where I found the supporting characters interesting and the main character boring, I would simply not watch that TV show anymore <laughs> because I don't have the patience for something like that. Yeah. I think the the, the difference being that my example is like, it's not like a... Amer- I, I would probably have stopped watching a normal American Right, I mean, if it's like show. 21 episodes, 5 yeah. seasons, then like, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. I, if it, yeah. I was able to get through the show because it was like 16, one and done. Yeah. I mean, that that is different, to be fair. But even that, for me, that's still, like, too much time for me to spend with someone I don't care about, you know? Yeah. So, like, I, I had mostly gone... I mean, like, there's a few examples. Like, I was talking to Chris about how, like, in How I Met Your Mother, like, Ted becomes excruciating as yeah, the Ted's show progresses. Not but, I mean, that's also just sort of, like, 
the perils of a show running for nine years, right? Because I feel like he wasn't as bad in earlier seasons, but then she gets to the point where, like, you have to keep spinning your wheels a little bit because we've gone on for so long. You still have to grow a little bit, and so you're, like, repeating past... I don't know. Anyways, blah, 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 blah. So what I focused on more was, like, movies. And so there's the thing I kept thinking about whenever I was looking at all these movies, and I was also doing what Chris had said, and I sort of just, like, Googled online just because I was curious, like, what are things that people think a supporting character was more interesting? And so many of them are just shit like The Joker. Like, yeah, in Batman, I saw that too. Yeah, like, I don't fucking want to no. see a movie about The Joker. But people, it, this thing, we, we Googled this a little bit before and together, and, and you showed me that list. Yeah. Like, and they were all terrible. This was terrible. Awful. And also some of them were, like, flat out wrong. Like, when someone's used, someone said Anna from Frozen, who's like, makes right, he's the main character, arguably, in Frozen. Nice. Yeah. So, like, 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 did you watch Frozen and be like, boy, Anna really wasn't in that movie very much. Like, did you watch the movie? Some of them... I, did you also find... I don't know if you also saw this, but I found, like, multiple lists, and they had a lot of movies in common. Yeah, there are. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I felt that uh, all of the ones in that initial list were... Garbage. Yeah. Not interesting characters would not have held up on their own. Like you, right. I mean, like just someone was like, you, they can't be a movie. Like yeah. you can't make a movie around this character because you're going to lose everything that you find interesting about that character when they are the central focus yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And so, like the whole thing that I come back down to is it's called like the Jack Sparrow principle, is what I called it, or eat your vegetables. Which is just the idea that, like, you can have this character in, like, like let's travel back in time to 2003 or whatever, when Pirates of the Caribbean came out. We all thought Jack Sparrow was the greatest fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> he was good. Like, speaking, looking at it in a vacuum at the time, it was a fun character. We all enjoyed it, yeah. right? You see this character, like, he's so funny. I love his antics. Everything he does is great. Johnny Depp's doing a wonderful job with this character. I just want to say, I don't want to sound like a Cassandra here. It's a little late. But uh, when, when that movie came out and everyone was ranting about Johnny Depp, I was like, I don't want to hear... I don't want to give a shit about Johnny Depp. I don't want to hear a single word about him. I don't want to see this movie. It did feel like we went from zero to one. And then, yeah, and then when I finally saw it, I was like, I will allow that maybe he was okay. But look where we are now, guys. Who was right about Johnny Depp being overrated? Wow. People love it when you do things like that, I have to say. No one at all finds that insufferable. So anyway... So, like, you watch that and you're like, well, like, he was so great. But then you have, like, Orlando Bloom and Karen Knightley. And, like, there's something wrong with those characters. They're kind of boring. But, like, they're supposed to be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Because they're, like, they're the leads of a pirate movie. By definition, Orlando Bloom is sort of, like, this sort of, like, Errol Flynn protagonist type. He can't be that interesting. And Karen Knightley undergoes a little bit of a change throughout the movie. Where she becomes more of, like, a pirate lady. And, like, that's fine. And so, like, if you're watching that movie and being like, oh, but these two idiots, they're so boring. I wish it was just Jack Sparrow having adventures. Then there's a fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie and a fifth one <laughs> where it is just Jack Sparrow having adventures I mean, and then you think to yourself oh I've made a mistake well, I never I never should have made that monkey's paw wish I, do I have a counter argument though yeah. I think that Jack Sparrow could be the main character but you would have to make some adjustments to the character for, mm. for him to support a whole movie namely you'd have to add some pathos he doesn't have yeah. any really because he doesn't he just gets to be this like goofball Not trickster hard. and I think you have to add a dimension to his character that maybe we didn't get to see when he was a goofy side character right. because we weren't focusing on and it. I th- and that's true because I think that's, I mean, that's the same argument with like Joker or whatever, right? Yeah. I would also argue though that at a certain point you're starting to change what people responded to in the character. Probably. And so like, it's sort of like, if you want that to happen, you can do it, but mm-hmm. you run the risk of changing fundamentally who this character is. Yeah. And it's like, that's fine, possibly, but you have to acknowledge the fact that you're making a big change. Yeah. But here. like, and I'll say, to add to that, like, I haven't seen these Jack Sparrow movies, but I'm almost positive that they, that, you know, latter-day Johnny Depp, who had way too much creative control over that character. And I'm scarves. Sure. 
uh, and scarves. Uh, In the fifth wanted, movie, it's just a massive scarves watching just, around. Just basically <laughs> reduced any decent script they may have had into like just Mithrians. endless gags. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't remember them very well, but I'm I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. So when my whole thing was that like there are so few times where I could look at a supporting character who I liked a lot and be like, God, I wish that they were the focus of this movie. <laughs> so mine were more just sort of like. Side characters who I think are pretty interesting and could probably be expanded upon. I'm not saying I'll let them be the focus, though. So I just threw up a little list here real quick. So number one with a bullet, Congo. We all saw Congo, right? You remember Ernie <laughs> yeah. Hudson's Diamonds! Uh, yeah, the... Like, I don't know. He's, he's like, like the guide. Like, he, yeah, he's like yeah. a safari guide, basically. Who's like a fucking so, lot more interesting than Laura Linney and Dr. Niptuck. <laughs> and it's just oh, like, I forget Dr. Niptuck is even in Yeah, there. and it's just like, th- this guy, like, this should be the, like a main character in a movie, right? Like, it's one of the few times where I can honestly say, like, your main characters are so fucking boring. I thought you were going to say the, uh, that dictator. Poor <laughs> <laughs> oh. lord. Um, or uh, alternatively, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Curry. Just <laughs> really, just some guy that just, you know, don't fuck with the sesame cakes. Just <laughs> stop eating my sesame cake. Yeah. Uh, that could be another game show that comes on right after You Could Never Be Junkie Sack. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Pacific Rim. We all saw Pacific Rim. I think we can all agree that easily the least interesting part of the movie is Charlie Hunnam's character. Almost everyone else is a lot more interesting than Charlie Hunnam's character. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could probably cut that void right out of your movie and you'd be better off. You can make it about, um, I forget her name, but Rinko Kakushi's character. His partner. Yeah, yeah. She does, does, but it's just sort of like, then then we have to go back and see what Charlie Hunnam's doing. We have to pretend we care about him. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, did you ever see Night of the Creeps, either of you? No. Okay. So Night of the Creeps is sort of like a horror comedy movie from the 80s. It's like a little tongue-in-cheek, uh, but not quite entirely. Uh, it, it's about these these slugs from space who crawl into people's mouths and turn them into zombies and then, like, reproduce inside them so the people, like, explode and then oh. other slugs rush out, blah, blah, Anyways, that's kind of, like, incidental to the plot, which it's also involving a lot of, like, horny teenage antics because these movies in the 80s always did that. Mm -hmm. So the main character um, played by Rusty from one of the National Lampoon movies. I forget which one. I think the OG one. Uh, It's it's like him and this girl he has a thing for. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. Anyway, he has a friend named JC, I believe, who is like it's fascinating because this character has crutches and they never explain why he has crutches. Like, like, it's not like a I broke my leg sort of thing. It's like there must be some sort of bigger issue at play here that requires him to use these crutches. And the character, I don't even want to say he's, like, coded gay because that's, like, underselling it. Like, he's so almost openly gay where he has just, like, this huge vested interest. Like, it seems that he's really in love with his best friend. And to be fair, the movie doesn't play this, like, for laughs. It, like, treats it fairly seriously that he's just, like, really aggressively into his friend. This character gets, spoiler alert, killed off about halfway through the movie and it's like really because that's the point where I like I lose Bummer. interest in the movie and he leaves this like tape record because one of the slugs gets into his mouth so he leaves this like tape recorded message for his friend ends with him being like I love you and then he like finds out that his friend is dead and it's just sort of like God like that's the character I wanted to stick yeah. around more for the rest of the movie like I want to know more about this gay kid with some sort of disability who's like struggling with an alien invasion while being in college in the 80s like there's your yeah. fucking movie right there and trying to express your feelings <laughs> exactly to your roommate who you're a little bit in love with but know that that's not really a situation that he's going to reciprocate right um we had talked about it before. Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Again, who's the protagonist in this movie? I don't know. Is it Queen Amidala? Is it Qui-Gon Jinn? It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. It should be Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was one of the movies on the shit list that I saw. Um, shit list? Where people were like, oh, Ben, ben Kenobi, or Obi-Wan rather, he should be the 
He should be the main character of Phantom Menace. I mean, he should be. It makes sense. Yes, he should be the main character. Um, Aside from that, really, uh, of course, Clown Scotsy. I think we can all agree (laughs) that the Prude Igo Tower should have been the main character. That plane. (laughs) The plane that was trying to drive across the highway. Probably this should have been the main character. I think we should have followed that plane a little bit more than we did. Um, Yeah, aside from that, honestly, I also did a couple... I did five movies that we watched for this podcast where I think side characters were more interesting. And... Number one, Jumper, Jamie Bell's character. Yeah. Much more interesting I than Hayden Christensen. That was my... That was your miss. My, uh, yeah. My you missed that, miss. and you also missed Atlantis. Um, Atlantis. That's right. Yeah. I was definitely ill for two months. Yes, you were. Uh, but Jumper, definitely. Two, yeah. Maid of Honor. Rebecca... Is it Rebecca Ferguson? Is that who it is in that movie? Uh, Rebecca Ferguson. The blonde lady? Who's just like the romantic interest in Made of Honor. Michelle Monaghan? Yes, thank you. I don't know why the fuck I was saying Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson is like... You you thought she should be the main character? Yes. Michelle Monaghan. I thought okay. that she is a much more compelling character than this like douchebag Patrick Dempsey who you is have to then, you, rich and attractive. When she's the main character, then you have to really like get into why the fuck she's so compelled to do this wedding. And right, why she wants to go with this Irish guy who she just met like a week ago. Scottish. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This, can we be honest? It's all the same. It's all, it is all the same. It's pretty much the same It's all white people. Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List was either the doorman you remember the, the doorman character yes. yeah. or Bruce 2 the isn't one who she's like kind of into but then turns out to be gay wait isn't the doorman the one that she gets up with in the end yes yeah, yeah, yeah. either one of those characters no, would be, what's that isn't that no, no it just looks like it should be oh. either one of those two characters so much more interesting than our main characters yeah. number four Nutcracker on the four elves Kira Knightley of course we need more Kira Knightley <laughs> Gotta have more I, Kira I eat her hair. Karen Knightley, and I argue that I want a whole movie about um, Helen. Is it Helen Mirren? Yeah. Is it Helen Mirren? Yeah, it is Helen Mirren. Yeah. As late as uh, Mama Shishon. Yeah. Mother Shishon. Yeah. Honestly, I would see a movie about like the two of them, like at Love. Yes. Me I too. Mean, there it is. Based on power struggle right. in the four realms. Especially because I would even say, oh my god, that actually makes so much sense because as characters, as vibes, they're very different and diametrically yeah. opposed. Well, they're sort of like if you're if we again if we carry through this arc, this my my brilliant fix of it being her subconscious, then it's like this the figure the psyche of her mother and the psyche of the angry child that the mother yes. is dead yeah. like at war with each other right. as a metaphor for grief <laughs> I am a genius <laughs> pay me Hollywood so Nutcracker in the five stages of grief yeah. <laughs> and lastly toys Joan Cusack we love her we love her what about Joan oh my Indeed. god the the the, 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 the the reveal I guess sort of reveal that she's a robot is just mental it is it's just absolutely mental. And I mean, that's, again, that's not one of the ones that I'm saying movies should be about Joan Cusack. It's just that, yeah. like, movie needs more Joan Cusack. Movie needs you more. need to focus more about the fact that, like, yeah. this is his robot sister. Why? Yeah. Why his robot sister? I have another smaller example, if you have time. Yeah? Yeah, sure, why not? So, uh, there was another show. This is this is not... This is more of a specific uh, K-drama thing, where... Uh, this is less, like, because he kind of is a main character, but it was more like... Uh, the Koreans love... K-dramas, rather, love love triangles. Mm. And, like, there's a, there's generally, like, there's actually, like, basically, if you're the second lead, be that man or female, man or woman, based on, like, who the show's about, that means that you're the Baxter. It's basically, like, synonymous with saying that you're the Baxter. So, like, it's kind of a big deal, like, if you're, you know, if you're second lead material or if you get to be, like, the leading man and get the girl. Mm. Like, that basically is, like, a big, uh, you know, you've really broken it up if you can become the leading person. Um, So there was a show called Startup. That I watched, and I I bailed on it because I I, I had to because it was just so enraging. Um, <laughs> where they had these three guys, and I actually started it because there's two guys and a, and a woman. The woman's kind of like the main character, and I started it watching it because of Namjoo Hook is one of the actors, and I like him stuff his stuff a lot. And I was prepared, like I kind of 
looked at it and all the promotional materials and you can mostly kind of look at it and be like, okay, that's going to be who she ends up with. And it was, I think, deliberately obfuscated in the marketing and the like promotional materials for the show. But based on the fact that Nam Hook was the guy that I knew in the, the actor that I knew and that he seemed like maybe he was first building all of the things. I was like, it's probably going to be him. I'll watch it. It'll be him. And then I watch episode one. He does not appear in episode one. Episode one is about the other. It's almost exclusively about the childhood of the female character. And, and had a very big sinking feeling. Yeah. And the other guy. Well, no, I, yeah, because the, 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 they're basically the, the driving force of this romance is this, that like, this girl, like, had a really bad... Like, her family broke up at a young age, and she stayed with her grandma. Her sister and uh, mother uh, f- fucked off because the dad was kind of like a loser who couldn't get his own business up and running. She stayed with her dad and her grandma. Sister went with mom and got married to a rich guy and went to America. And she's really lonely at this time, and she's really upset. And then her dad fucking dies in, like, an accident. Um, and her grandmother is, like, really, like, just, you know, wants to help her and, and help her feel less lonely. And... In the episode, the pilot episode, like the parallel storylines that there's this orphan who has reached legal age. So he has to leave the orphanage, but he has two years before he's like a legal adult. Um, so he's graduated from high school and he actually has like a good scholarship, but he's too young to like get a bank account. He has like a basically like a state allowance of money that he has that he has to take charge of and like live off for, you know, X amount of time until he can get into college and have a dorm to live in. Um, and he's kind of like, you know. He actually won this, like, Junior Investor Award, but he's, he can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, like, kind of, like, you know, abandoned by the state and, and the world. And he runs into the grandma, and the grandma is like, All right, you can, like, stay in my shop when I'm not. Like, I have this, like, food shop. You can stay in it overnight or whatever. Um, and she actually sees that he's, like, has this, like, investing award and, and, like, is like, oh, could you actually help me out and, like, Help me set up like a bank account because I keep all my money in like a, a fucking like tin at mm-hmm. work and I don't really know what to do with it. So he does this, but he also like um, takes advantage of her giving him her ID to set up like two accounts, like one for himself where he can like invest money. Um, so he starts like investing his money on in his account. And he's 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 controls like the grandmother's bank account. Um, and at one point, the dad, who's her daughter, the grandmother's son, is like, "Oh, I need a bunch of money," and. Uh, so the kid sees the grandma, like, take all the money out of the account one day, and he thinks that, like, the grandmother, like, basically took all of his money and, like, right. gave it to the son to, like, and he gets, he has this kind of, like, fit about it, uh, and he flips out, and it turns out that, like, she was just getting her own money out to give to the son, and he feels really bad about it. But during all of this, there's also this arc where, uh, because he's so, because the, the granddaughter's so lonely, the grandmother asks this boy that she's, like, basically, like, taking charge of, uh, is like, oh, could you, like, write... Could you pretend to be a boy that likes my granddaughter so that she has someone to talk to? And, like, she basically creates this, like, pen pal relationship where he has to, like, write these letters. And he does it because this, like, woman's helping him out with stuff. Mm. So he's like, I guess I will do it. Um, should I use my real name? No, we'll use the name out of this, like, boy in the newspaper who won this, like, mathematics award. Oh because. <laughs> okay. I don't want to tell grandma how to do her job. Right? We're like, this is a big mistake right yeah. here. Yeah. We're taking some unnecessary risks. This is, in fact, a big mistake. Yeah. I, I, I could never have guessed. Uh, so yeah, he he has this year-long pen pal relationship with the granddaughter that he's never met in person, um, where he's doing it at first out of obligation, but he's getting more into it and mm-hmm. actually develops a nice relationship with this girl. Um, and then this blow-up happens where he thinks that the grandmother's giving all his money away, and he feels really bad, and also, like, he's just like, you know, it's time for me to go. Um, so he takes his money, and he goes to college. And they have this really oh, actually heartbreaking moment where the grandmother's like... Um, 
like runs to the bus station before he can like get away and tells him like you know next time like don't call me if you're doing well but if you're if you're doing badly come to me and i'll like take you in again and it's like super upsetting and he cries and hugs her and then they go on the bus anyway that's episode one that's wow and the episode the end of episode one is like you you focus in on the name that they used for this kid and they like spin it forward to like when they're all like in their 30s and he's now this, like, struggling programmer who's, like, an absolute loser. And the, the orphan that wrote these letters is now this, like, massively successful investor. And so the romance turns out to be that in episode two, she's like, I need... She's also a loser in modern day. And she's like, I need, like, uh, I need something good in my life. And she happens to find out... Uh, she, she asks her grandmother about this kid. And then her grandmother's like, oh, yeah, he's really successful now or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track him down. And so... He, she happens. Grandma tugs at her collar. Yeah, she, she, tra- she happens to run into the successful investor, and they have this cute little reunion. And then she's like, "We need to do something because my granddaughter is looking for this boy, and I don't like. I don't even know where he is. Like, I, we've never met him. None of us know him. So, like, we need to do something about it." And he's like, "Okay, grandmother, I will do something about it." So he tries to like dissuade her, but in the end, he he goes to find the actual loser boy and is like, "I need you to pretend to be." This person that had a pen pal relationship with this girl. So anyway, I feel like everyone is wildly overcomplicating these scenarios. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, it's it turns out to be this whole arc where like the romance is between the fake person who has no prior relationship to this woman, mm-hmm. um, the fake one that's pretending to be this this you know guy that wrote these letters, and the investor is someone that like has feelings for this woman but like never gets to do anything with it and like. The fact that episode one focused on his story and made it so compelling, and also, like, he's just such a sad, lonely dude that, like, was an orphan and had no friends. I just got so fed up with him being just, like, the emotional punching bag of every episode, where, like, he's taking on everyone's burdens and, like, solving every problem, uh, and it gets nothing in return. And I was like, yeah, I can't can't do it anymore. So, yeah. That was one show where it's it's not quite, like, I can't really say that I wish he was the main character, because he is one of the three main characters, but, like... It's just, they absolutely made the wrong choice there in deciding who was going to be, like, the romantic lead for the show. Because, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was supposed to find so compelling about the other person who's kind of this, like, I guess he has, like, oh, he's like us. He's like, has imposter syndrome because he, he was, you know, brilliant when he was young mm-hmm. and now he's a loser. But he, he's awful. He's just uncompelling <laughs> and boring. And I don't care. And I love this actor. And I hated that character in this TV show. Wow. Anyway, it did not work for you. It was awful. Yeah, I stuck with it for like too long. I kind of I kept holding out hope that like they were going to pull another wool over our eyes that like it was going to come back to him being the main character, but no, he was not. He was not to be. Uh, <sighs> that was a real Korean sandwich of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this episode up. Yeah. Just to get it. So yeah, guys, come back at us in two weeks and we'll, we'll be talking about serendipity and I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> we're purple. I don't want to jump the gun, but I think I'd recommend this movie. Seriously, yeah. Don't jump. Please get off that gun. Get off. We're, we're, we're gonna stop straddling that gun. <laughs> don't you jump it? We see you. Don't let your feet move. Leave your ground. Why is it jumping the gun? I don't know. Is it know jumping before the gun? Is it like a Maybe. race? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, uh, that sounds plausible. Jump the gun. Anyway. Anyway. Two don't weeks jump the gun. Bye. Bye.